Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2018-2019 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers are in the NIT. On today's show, we'll wrap up the weekend Memphis at the AAC Tournament and get you ready for Wednesday's matchup at Furman. Great show coming up right after this. The Talk Angry Podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Shockers go 2-1 and one in Memphis. Had a close game with second-seeded Cincinnati. They end up losing by three. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who couldn't see the growth in this team and the fact that they were playing much better basketball towards the end of the season. Taylor's going to join us. He's getting ready to have the media availability with the team before the NIT. But your overall thoughts on the trip to Memphis, Taylor? Yeah, you know, obviously this was a huge positive for Wichita State. You know, they they wanted to to keep the streak going, the NCAA tournament streak alive, and um, you know, obviously that didn't happen. But I still think that overall, uh, you know, beating Temple, one of the season's highlights, um, if not the, the the biggest right now, because you you know you look at the NIT field and you know maybe it might have got them in because it looked like you know Wichita State was one of the last teams picked for the NIT so they might have been playing for their postseason lives that night so uh, in retrospect even more impressive and simple gets in so best case scenario for the American right there uh, record six teams will be playing in the postseason so it just shows you just how strong the American was and you know how good Wichita State really was down the stretch you know 11 and 3 basically the last seven Seven weeks of the season, um, you know, you beat Temple, uh, NCAA tournament team, you take Cincinnati down to the final possession. You know, it felt like those felt like NCAA tournament games. And for Wichita State to win one and then, you know, be right there in the second one, that just shows you that, you know, they were playing like an NCAA tournament team. You know, obviously they didn't have the resume, they didn't have the body of work to get there, but still it just shows you how far this team has come. You think back to, you know, Louisiana Tech opening night. You think back to one and six, eight and eleven overall, getting punked on the road by South Florida and UConn, and you know how far the team has come is just pretty, is really remarkable. And the biggest thing it shows to me is, you know, Greg Marshall can can do it all. You know, he can coach a veteran, experienced team. He can lead that kind of team to to success. He can guide them to, you know, a thirty-five and zero team with a stack team, and he can take, you know, a completely, uh, you know, new team. Everyone else, I mean, every the outside expectations was for them to be in complete rebuild mode, and for them, you know, just surpass all those expectations. You know, the down the stretch of the regular season shows that you know just Marshall's coaching versatility. I guess that he can you know get it done in multiple ways, and you know the the common thread is you know the Shockers play their best basketball in March, and he always finds a way to get them to do that. So 
yeah, really exciting to, to get them to, to play at least one more game in March, and uh, we'll see see where it goes from here. After the last seven years run that this team has been on, I never thought I would be excited for an NIT selection show. But I was last night because you can see the growth in this team. You can see that these young guys care. They were, you know, certainly playing them a little more angry here towards the end of the season. And, and they you got the general sense that they want to keep playing. They want to keep getting better. And they really enjoy each other as a group. Yeah, it's, you know, you, you compare it to last year's team, and it was just such a, a stark difference. Uh, you know, in the, I was in the locker room of both those both those years. You know, last year after they get beat by Marshall, you know that's a, that was a top ten team all season. Uh, to have it end so abruptly, you know, I figured you know these seniors would be bummed out, or uh, you know it would just be a really somber locker room, and uh, this wasn't really the case. I mean, it just it was kind of it was just such a weird atmosphere. Uh, you know, Landry was basically the only one upset. And everyone else just kind of acted like, you know, it just wasn't that big of a deal. And uh, fast forward to, to this weekend, and, you know, you go in that locker room, you know, everyone is bummed out. You know, this team cared so much, and I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this podcast, you know, saw that, that video of uh, Greg Marshall outside the locker room right after talking to his team, you know, tears kind of bubbling up in his eyes. And uh, I've never seen him that emotional talking about a team, and just shows you how much they care about each other. and you know, it's how much more it meant this year just because it was such a process. The Shocker seniors came up huge in Memphis. Marcus puts the team on his back against Temple, goes for over 30. Uh, you know, Samaje had great defense on Shiz Alston Jr. They probably don't get that win without Samaje's defense and then almost took him to the brink and got him over the hump against Cincinnati that next day. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it right there. Yeah, Marcus with the career-high 34 against Temple, it just absolutely lights out. You know, I've never seen him, you know, the individual performance. I mean, it was kind of reminiscent of the Providence game, but, you know, given the circumstance, the, the stage, you know, looking back on it, that was WSU's postseason life right there. And for Marcus McDuffie to put the team on his back like he did and just carry them to the finish line, so impressive. And you mentioned, too, you know, Samaje with the defense on Shiz, that gets overlooked because he goes three for 13, but really, you know, uh, WSU doesn't win that game if Shiz, you know, isn't shut down. You know, he had 18 points at halftime, which is shredding WSU's defense, and Samaje did a really good job forcing him to go left, bodying him up. He was quick enough to beat him to the spot going right. So um, Shiz, 0 for 6 the second half, only two points. That's really where the game was won. Then obviously uh, the second game, you know, Samaje just turned into a walking bucket there. The second half, you know, no one on Cincinnati could stop him. I said on Twitter, I, I, I don't know if anybody has gotten to the rim that easily against a really, really good Cincinnati defense. So really impressive. And then, you know, the season uh, looks like it was over, down 13, nine minutes left. And, you know, Marcus McDuffie comes up huge again. You know, two threes during that rally. Samaje was going off. You know, Dexter Dennis, Eric Stevenson hit big-time threes. And then the Samaje finger roll. Uh, ties it up. It brings him back from 13 down in, in less than six minutes. So uh, just so impressive to see the fight in this Wichita State team. It would have been easy to roll over down 13 to a top 25 team with that, you know, not, not a lot of time left. And for Wichita State, to, uh, you know, they scored nine of their next 10 possessions after they got down by 13. So it just shows you the heart, the determination in these guys. And yeah, you know, for all those people that were criticizing the seniors, you know, 
what, what did they have to say about them now after the way they played in the American Conference Tournament? Now, Taylor, one of the things you mentioned, obviously the seniors did an incredible job in the tournament, really just trying to carry the team, Samaje and Marcus, in, in the games against Temple and against Cincinnati. But what, I, what I'm curious about is how you felt like the freshmen came along and progressed in a, in a high-leverage situation. There's a lot of pressure. It's a winner-go-home type situation. You know, Jamarius in particular – uh, looked a little bit shaky at times in the in the game against Temple. A couple unforced turnovers. Dennis had a couple unforced turnovers. But in the game against Cincinnati, you saw Burton just throw down a, a slam dunk in traffic that was incredible. He made some open three-pointers. You saw Stevenson make a, a highly contested, difficult three-pointer in each game. So talk a little bit about how the freshmen are getting a little more comfortable with their roles, getting more comfortable taking the shots in difficult situations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, these minutes are so valuable going forward. Uh, you know, you look at them in the box score, you know, Dexter plays 26, Jamarius plays 34, uh, but Eric plays 14 against Cincinnati. But really, you know, those valuables or those, those minutes are so much more valuable than just, you know, any just like regular season minutes, you know, being on the floor, and intense, you know, NCAA tournament-like environment. Those, I mean, that's basically two NCAA tournament team, teams. So um, they got a little taste of it right there, you know, playing in big-time atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you, you could see them, you know, the, the seniors were obviously the ones that, that took the lead. And, you know, if WSU had a little more help from outside the two seniors, they'd probably get the job done against Cincinnati. But still, like you said, you know, Jamarius – Love to see him turn the corner like that and just take off and to quote Dustin dunk on the city of Cincinnati. Um, really, really impressive uh, to see that kind of explosion. Kind of an underrated athlete, and he, he showed uh, what he's capable there. Then I just love Eric's confidence. You know, how many freshmen who hadn't made a shot all game would, would take a swing pass, you know, two feet behind the arc and just, you know, rise up with that amount of confidence, that belief that he's going to make that shot. Not very many guys would take or make that shot. Eric Stevenson did and part of that 13-point rally in the, late in the second half. And then, uh, yeah, Dexter, you know, his defense has been uh, really, really good. Uh, a little spotty at times in the American tournament, but, you know, it's been really good and, and hit a big-time three in that rally as well. So, yeah, we're seeing these guys grow up. Um, very, very encouraging uh, future for Wichita State to have those three guys kind of be the nucleus going forward. And, uh, you know, they're learning so much uh, just talking with those guys from Marcus, from Samaje. You know, they look up to those guys so much. And to see them, you know, put the team on the back like they did this year, you know, it's going to be a lot of motivation for these guys next year when they're gone. They're going to be uh, remembering what Marcus and Samaje, just the way they went about their business. And, uh, you know, two great leaders to learn from. And, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, the future very, very positive for Wichita State. This is a little Monday morning quarterback, but it's almost unfortunate they weren't able to get past Cincinnati because then you saw Houston look a little disinterested or, or maybe tired when they played in the championship game. Cincinnati ends up taking care of that one pretty easily and advances uh, as the AAC champion for the second year in a row. I do have a question about Echenique. Do you feel he's at full strength right now? Because to be honest with you, I felt they lost the Cincinnati game because they did not have much of an inside presence. And, and you know, had they gone down low more or had he maybe been at 100 percent that's a different ball game yeah i mean a lot of people forget that he has that, that plantar fasciitis in the foot 
uh, you know, went down in the last non-conference game of the season and uh, hasn't really been the same since. You know, he was really, really good at the end of that non-conference. And then I, I think it still bothers him. You know, I, I talked to him after the game. He said, yeah, I mean, it's still painful. It's still a nuisance. So that's something he has to fight through. And, you know, even though he's playing, that doesn't mean he's, you know, 100%. And you can probably say that about a lot of people at this stage of the season. But still, I think that impacts his explosion, his lift more. You know, he's not able to get off the ground as quickly. And, you know, when you're down there in the post and, you know, every inch matters for, for you know, getting shots off and, and rebounding, um, I think that really affected him, especially in the American Conference Tournament, because you look at uh, – the Temple and the Cincinnati game, both times Wichita State centers were just completely outworked on the offensive glass uh, by the opposing team's center. And uh, that's something that, you know, they're not going to have to worry too much about it with Furman, but still a little bit of a concern that, you know, the centers were, were getting outworked like that. So I think that did play a role. Um, and like you said, it, it, it would have been huge if WSU could have thrown it down in the post and maybe uh, let – you know, Jaime and Asbjorn go to work a little bit more. But, um, yeah, I think that that did kind of hinder Jaime and uh, and his effectiveness, especially down down the stretch where he is still, uh, you know, the factor was, like I said, like his lift and his takeoff and stuff like that. So it, it does play a factor. I really agree with you there as far as the post play. Particularly that seems to be a benefit when – you've got a situation like in the Cincinnati game where you go five minutes without scoring a bucket, just having the ability to say, you know, okay, we're going to slow down. We're going to get an entry pass. Let Asbjorn, let, uh, let Jamie, somebody just go to work and, and try and get a, a little bit of an easier shot instead of a contested three in those sorts of situations where it feels like it's getting away from you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and those are so big. And Asbjorn, I think he had, he had one post move, um, nice finish. Uh, Jaime had a basket inside during that, that uh, 13 point rally, um, two free throws as well. So he came up a, a big in that rally. But yeah, down the stretch, it would have been nice to, to kind of work it from inside out, uh, give, you know, Marcus Samaje a little bit of a break. But, you know, the way those two were, were playing, you know, you could tell they just did not want to lose. So, um, you know, put, it, put the ball in the hands of them and let them decide the game. And, you know, that's that's what happened. You know, they both had their shots down the stretch. This didn't uh, didn't work, uh, didn't work out. And, you know, the game basically came down to that that one play. You know, uh, does Marcus get fouled or not? And that that pretty much decided it right there. So just to have the, the chance to be in that situation, uh, you know, uh, impressive for Wichita State, but obviously uh, a little heartbreaking just because you, you felt – when they they made that rally and they tie it up, they're like, "Wow, I mean, this team is this team might do it." You know, they they have such a strong belief in themselves, and uh, I I really thought they were going to win that game down the stretch, and so that was a little heartbreaking. But still, when you look step back, look at the big picture, um, a lot to be proud of for which I'll say with the way they conducted themselves, the way they played, um, and I think that that play earned them the bits to NIT because you look at, you know, they really impressed a lot of people and they, they proved that they belong. Taylor, you and I were both in Memphis as we step back and look big picture just as a tournament as a whole. What were your thoughts? You know, I'm, I'm not so crazy about giving one team a, a distinct home court advantage, particularly when they're playing in the same building that they play their games at. But really, I, I love Memphis and, and, you know, would be happy if it was back in the rotation. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, the, the 
the building is, you know, right there on Beale Street, uh, walking distance. I mean, a really fun time. You know, it was a little disappointing. The weather wasn't a little bit nicer. I know uh, you could walk around in, in a light jacket, but still, you know, middle of March, I was hoping that, you know, maybe we could get into the 70s because Beale Street is a, a, a really fun time. Uh, with the music, with the barbecue, I mean, it's a really great place to stay. So I had a I had a great time um, there, and yeah, like you said, I mean, I I think it is kind of interesting that you know a team gets to, to host it on its home court, but obviously that'll change next year uh, with the tournament shifting to Fort Worth. But yeah, overall review, uh, love Memphis barbecue, love the love the music, uh, love Beale Street. So I I graded it pretty high. I thought it was. Uh, you know, A minus B plus uh, a week for me. Being the one who was watching the tournament from home, I'm curious what you guys thought about uh, the crowds, at least from the different uh, fan bases uh, and different universities. It seemed like Wichita State, aside from Memphis, Wichita State had the most people there. It's kind of the just watching the games on TV. It seemed that way, and and having the games in Memphis, you know, you're kind of hoping that maybe there's a few more fans from Cincinnati or Houston that show up. Uh, to support their teams to make it more of kind of this uh, real conference atmosphere. So I'm I'm curious as they move it to Fort Worth, you know, there's there's more schools. Tulsa, SMU, Houston's going to be a little closer in that situation. Wichita State certainly driving distance there. I'm wondering if they'll get more of a uh, a mix as far as the different fan bases showing up. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, like you said, you know, Wichita State had uh, easily the second most. Um, fans of, of anybody in the conference uh i would i think me and dustin estimated about 400 uh, 400 maybe 500 the, the last day um but yeah i mean it, it was a little i mean games not involving memphis were a little disappointing just because you know not much of a crowd atmosphere um not a lot of the memphis fans stuck around to watch the other games so um it was a little disappointing in that aspect i don't know dustin what did you think well, you know, I've kind of dogged on Memphis all year, but I was very impressed with their fans. They're extremely knowledgeable. All of the fans we interacted with seemed pretty welcoming, and, you know, they appreciated the fact that Wichita State had joined the conference. A lot of compliments on Greg Marshall. Um, you know, I think Cincinnati probably had the third most fans there, but then it was a significant drop-off. Houston, for having a top 25 season, you know, really didn't have much fan presence there whatsoever. I did have a funny story. I was at Central Barbecue, and I had a cop come up to me. I had my shot gear on he told me i had to get out because we originally had stolen alex lomax from him and and uh we couldn't couldn't enjoy their barbecue anymore but uh but very knowledgeable fans memphis basketball you know they're i would say the tigers are clearly number one in that town over the grizzlies and uh there's still some hatred for coach cal even though i think he's been at kentucky for 10 years now so you know all in all a pretty good experience i do think next year as we go to fort worth uh, it's going to be played at the Dickies Arena, which is a new venue. They don't really have an anchor tenant. Certainly SMU plays their games on campus, so you don't have the situation where it's a home court advantage necessarily. I think Shocker Nation will be down there you know, in droves next year, not only because you know, it's a quick flight, five, about five, five-and-a-half-hour drive. Also, the team's expected to be a little better next year. But, but more than anything... You know, people were commenting us on the fact that you finished sixth in the conference this year. This is supposedly a rebounding year this year, and and you clearly had the second most fans there outside of Memphis. And really, when Memphis wasn't playing, it was almost all Shocker fans. Even when you watched the championship, you'd see some speckles of of yellow throughout the crowd uh, when Cincinnati and Houston were playing. So, uh, all in all, I was pretty impressed. 
The good news is the team will still be playing this week, made the NIT, and will travel to Furman on Wednesday. And now they have a goal set for themselves, and that's to get to MSG. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get you ready for the game against Furman. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We'll get you ready for Wednesday's NIT matchup with Furman. The game will tip at 6 p.m. Central Time, and we broadcast on ESPN3. The Paladins come in at 25-7 and on the year. They were 13-5 and in the Southern Conference. They finished third in the Southern Conference regular season. Although, you know, I did not know this team at first. I don't know what a Paladin is. Hopefully, Taylor, you can tell us what that is. But when you look at their schedule, there are some impressive wins there, particularly one over Villanova, also another one of Loyola Chicago. So this is a team that the the Shockers should not take lightly. Absolutely. You know, you look at their Kim Palm ranking, 56. You know, that would rate about the fourth best team in the American, a little bit better than Temple. So absolutely, this is not a team that, you know, wish us State fans should just think like, oh, it's Furman. They sound like a mid-major. We should be able to beat them now that we're in the American. You know, Furman is a legit team as evidenced by, you know, beating Villanova uh, in November. And, you know, the Southern Conference was really, really good this year with uh, um, UNC Greensboro um, and then the other one. Uh, East Tennessee State. Yeah. Yeah, Wofford's a seven-seed the NCAA tournament. You know, Greensboro should have gotten in. Uh, you know, even Furman had a case to, to uh, have a, you know, at large berth. And uh, they're a little disappointed they didn't get into the field. And But, you know, listening to their, their press conference today, seems like they're they're not too disappointed. They're actually, you know, pretty pretty hyped about, you know, hosting Wichita State, a program like that, uh, to come to, you know, Greenville, South Carolina. You know, it's so for a mid-major like that, it's so hard to get good teams to come play you at home. So uh, they're really, really excited about hosting Wichita State, having a you know a name brand like that come to their place. And you know, this is a big opportunity for them. They view it as a chance to you know prove themselves against you know really good competition. And uh, like we talked about, Wichita State is playing like an NCAA tournament team. So uh, they're gonna uh, these are two teams that that you know are, are gonna be a really good matchup and you look at the the way that you know they shoot the ball you know they shoot a ton of threes make a ton of threes and uh they run their offense kind of through their center who's a 6 8 215 pound guy matt rafferty averages 19 nine like four and a half in assists uh two steals a block you know this guy is a really really good player sports illustrated just had him number 37 i think and their top 50 players in college basketball so this, this is a real, uh, you know, they are the real deal. And Wichita State, uh, they're going to have to play very, very well to, to win this game on the road. And also a Paladin, uh, I found out through some uh, Google searching that it is similar to a Knight. It is not exactly a Knight, but similar to one. And they uh, their mascot is a Knight, but they made very clear on their website that a Paladin is not a Knight, but it's similar. So... Who, who even knows? But let's just go with the night. 
Well, it's good the Shockers beat UCF this year then. As a team, Furman scores 77.9 points per game, and they average 65.8. As you alluded to, shoot a lot of threes, but uh, do make a lot of those uh, as they're shooting over 47% from the field. Um, I read your write-up at Kansas.com, so I just wanted you to go ahead and tell us what a Paladin is, even though I had seen that in the kind of five <laughs> things to, to look at for the game. And, and if you're not, I mean, and I'll give Taylor credit. This is Royer. He really shines on these quick turnarounds when you're playing several teams in several days or now we're in a tournament situation. So, I mean, this is March and, and Taylor's got his A game going. But as far as uh, one team that you compared them to was Davidson. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, what we saw from the Shockers in that game and then what you think impacts could have on this game here on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, it's not, uh, there's not like an exact team that this, uh, that Furman kind of, you know, uh, embodies, but I thought Davidson, and just in terms of their three point rate, that was just to give WSU fans kind of an idea of, you know, this, how many threes that this team is going to shoot. Um, you know, Davidson, they, they work the ball around and they play at such a slow pace that they don't shoot as many threes, but when you break it down by percentage, uh, it's pretty close to Furman. Furman plays a little bit more up tempo. Uh, you get people an idea they're going to shoot about 28, you know, right around 33s a game. Uh, they're making 10 per game, so that's a lot, a lot of threes. You know, you think of Wichita State, if they ever get to 10, it feels like a huge game shooting from the outside, and that's what Furman's doing, you know, game in, game out. So, um, you know, there's not really a team in the American to compare this team to because there's not really, uh, you know, a great post player. And, you know, Rafferty is a guy that does most of his damage inside. Uh, you know, you put a big guy on him, he can, can dribble around him, and uh, you put a smaller guy on him, he can uh, take him down low and, and abuse him in the post. And he's a really, really good passer. They, they give him the ball out, out on the perimeter, and he's uh, he does his, you know, he, he holds the ball up real high, and he'll you know make the two-hand pass over his head to a shooter. And uh, Furman does a really good job. You know, they they run their offense around him, and he does his work inside the perimeter. And then they have four guys dotting the dotting the perimeter, all spot-up shooters, all guys that that can make threes. So really really uh tough team to defend because you know if you help off to, to stop Rafferty you know he sees the floor so well he's going to whip the pass to whoever's open and and they have four shooters that can knock it down so um it's going to be a really tough team to to match up uh Wichita State but you know also of note you know with the NIT with the experimental rule changes you know they're moving the three-point line 20 inches back to the FIBA line so uh, that will be interesting. That's obviously going to affect Furman more than Wichita State. So it'll be interesting to see if Furman still jacks up as many three-pointers. I don't know how many of those guys have their toe in the line for most of their shots or if uh, some of them are comfortable shooting well beyond the arc, kind of like Eric Stevenson does for Wichita State. Um, so that will be a, an interesting thing to see how much that impacts Furman. But like I just said on Twitter, you know, this team – it would be wrong to say this team lives and dies by the three. You know, they're a top 10 team in two-point percentage, so they're very, very efficient. They can score inside the arc as well. And then their defense, you know, they have a top 40-ish defense, and, you know, they're not the, the Cincinnati or the, the Houston, but uh, they're right behind those guys. You know, they would be the third-best defense in the American, and obviously they don't have the athletes that the American conference teams do. But that doesn't mean they, they can't get after it the same. You know, this team is uh, top 10 in steal rate. Uh, you know, like I said, top 40 defense. They rebound the ball well. 
Um, so it's going to be a, a really tough matchup for Wichita State. I was going to say, I think Eric Stevenson is ready for the new three-point line. Yeah, Stevenson has been practicing all year for the, for this tournament. You bring up Rafferty. He's only six eight, so I mean the Shockers will have a decided size advantage. He's their tallest starter. So you know we talked about maybe not getting it down low enough against Cincinnati. Do you think Echenique and Mitgard are able to have a good game here, or maybe because of his athleticism and him moving around, maybe it's something where the Shockers go with the smaller lineup? Yeah, that's that's going to be the game within the game. I also just put that up on Twitter, and uh, you know I think this. You know I don't think Wichita State is going to you know let. Uh, uh, Furman played them off the court. I think they are going to, to play Jaime and Asdorn, you know, the uh, in Poor Bear, the 40 minutes at center. And uh, they're just going to try to win that matchup. And um, we saw it a little in SMU just because SMU plays so small that WSU centers had a big game. That's a big reason why they won on the road. And uh, I think this could be the case too where, you know, WSU's going to need, you know, Jaime and, and Asdorn to have big games. And you know, no one can match up with their size. Like you said, Rafter, they only play eight people. That's a stretch. Most of the time, they only play seven. Nobody in their rotation is bigger than six eight or weighs more than two hundred and fifteen pounds. So, big dudes like Jaime, who's like two sixty, Asbury's like two seventy. Both of them are basically seven footers. They're gonna have a huge advantage inside. And you know, Wichita State runs those quick headers for them to get that that ball down on the block. They just have to finish. You know, we, we've seen time and time again, they they get those looks and sometimes they miss those bunnies. So they're going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to bring their A game against Furman because they're going to have, uh, you know, the, the size advantage. They're going to have, you know, the bulk advantage. And uh, it's just a matter of are they going to be able to finish inside? You know, you can't let Furman, you know, push them further away from the hoop. Uh, you got to get it to them down on the block, just do the drop step and then do the baby hook or go straight to the rim and, and get fouled. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup. And I would assume that WSU is going to have to guard Rafferty with the, the seven-footer. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to see how those guys uh, match up with him because he, he, he does spend a lot of time on the perimeter. He doesn't shoot a ton of threes. He's only made eight on the season. Um, but he does like to pass from the outside, and he can create for others. So going to be a very interesting matchup to see what Wichita State does. Uh, I think helping them out, though, you know, East Tennessee State, a team that beat Furman by 20, but also lost to him by 30. Um, but that team is coached by Steve Forbes, obviously a, a former Marshall assistant. So he's seen the best. Uh, he, he's seen what doesn't work and what does work against Furman. So I'd expect him to, to give Marshall, you know, a helping hand here with the scouting report. And I think that that will help the Shockers out as well. One of the things you brought up is that we know they are, don't go as deep as Wichita State. They, Like you said, they mainly play eight guys. It'll be interesting to see if going through the post, if that sort of an approach will put uh, the Paladins in foul trouble and if Wichita State can start exploiting things from, from the free throw line. And, and even those rules are a little different with the NIT. They're every 10 minutes the, the fouls reset, so on the fifth foul they start getting two free throws. Uh, every every uh, ten minute segment essentially, and in the last two minutes, any foul gives you two free throws. So I mean, really trying to disincentivize teams from from fouling, particularly late in the halves. So it'll be interesting to see if Wichita State's depth can can get some foul trouble situations going in their favor. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I expect that, that Marshall will bring out the press again. Uh, you know, WSU has done that off and on. Uh, they're a little hesitant to do it on better ball handling teams. But, you know, against a team that's only going to run, you know, seven, eight guys out there, um, that is an incentive to, you know, wear them out. Even if you're not getting steals, you know, you're still making them start their offense later in the shot clock. You know, a lot of people kind of forget about that. It's like if you don't get a steal, oh, the press didn't work. Well, you know, if you if you force them to make pass after pass and, you know, take time off the clock, if they're, they're not starting their offense until 18 seconds on the shot clock, you know, that, that only gives them so much time to run through their set. And then all of a sudden you're stuck with a, you know, end of shot clock situation where they're having to, you know, pull up and, and take a contested jumper. So um, it does have its benefits. And, yeah, you know, uh, Furman is, you know, they don't, their turnover percentage is a little below average. So, um, you know, they're, they, they're not great protecting the ball. So maybe WSU can generate some points off of that at the very least, you know, tire their legs out and, you know, try to, to make that rally in the second half. But I would expect um, WSU to press a lot of this game and really try to take advantage of, of its depth and, and its size advantage too. Should the Shockers beat Furman, they'll take on the winner of Clemson and Wright State. If Clemson wins, they would travel to Clemson. If Wright State wins, they would have a home game at Charles Coke Arena. Taylor, just real quick, maybe your top two or three keys to this game, in your opinion. Yeah, I mean, the first one, I honestly I do think it comes down to, you know, WSU centers, how are they going to match up uh, with Rafferty? Can they, they limit him? And then on the other end, can they take advantage of their size? I think, you know, if, if Echenike and Meekard can, can combine for, you know, maybe around, you know, like 15 points, 20 rebounds, if they can both get around 10, I think that would be huge for Wichita State. Um, and really, really just, you know, clean up the boards, especially after the they, they were kind of lacking the last two games in the American tournament. Uh, so if they can kind of reinforce their, their will, on the glass, I think that's going to be huge for Furman, or huge for WSU to beat Furman. The number two, you got to defend the three-point line. You know, you, you got to close out on shooters. Um, I'm sure uh, in which I'll say scouting report, they're going to know who to, who they can leave, who they can't. And you know, if the Shockers, you know, you just can't let them go off for you know 12, 13, 14 three-pointers. You know, they should. The goal should be though to hold them in single digits. Um, you know, their season average is 10, so if they can hold them to 8 or 9, that's a win for WSU. And then, obviously, the third one, I think just fine production outside of McDuffie and outside of Samaje. Those two guys have been really, really good down the stretch. Um, but, you know, if they can, you know, if they go for 30 or 35 combined, you know, WSU needs somebody else in, in double digits. You know, you saw that in the Cincinnati loss. You know, nobody else was in double digits for Wichita State. Um, you know, the the uh, the Temple game, you know, kind of the same thing. Dexter Dennis played well, but uh, no one no one else really did. So uh, if the Shockers can find that third score, I think that's going to be huge. You know, whether that is Dexter or maybe Eric gets hot, uh, Jamarius Burton, or even one of the big guys, if they can get, you know, 10, 12, 14 points, that would be huge too. So uh, just finding a third scorer, uh, WSU usually has two in double digits. So if they can get that third guy there, I think WSU wins that game.
Coach Marshall gets to return home, a little South Carolina flavor. I believe Furman is in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. And then, of course, you'd have Clemson there as well, potentially in the second round. It's the 13th NIT appearance all-time for Wichita State, and their first, of course, since they won the 2011 NIT. Three games, or three wins, rather, will get you to Madison Square Garden. I know you haven't quite talked to the team just yet, but do you have a sense that, you know, that'll be the goal and they want to go on a deep run and play together as long as they can? Absolutely. You know, this is a team that, that has, I mean, they genuinely believed they were going to win that, that American tournament, and they were, you know, genuinely disappointed when it didn't happen. So this team has so much confidence in itself right now, and it knows that it's playing so much better. And the biggest thing that I noticed between this year's team and last year's team, last year's team, I felt like when they won, it was almost like a relief. I mean, there wasn't much joy on the team, but this year's team, you know, every win was a celebration. Every win was a big deal. These guys have so much fun when they win together. And I think they just genuinely like each other and the chemistry is just so much better, um, you know, off the floor. Um, and I think that that really builds, you know, a team, you know, when they, when they feel like they're playing for each other. And I think that's going to, you know, carry the Shockers. You know, obviously they, they're going to have to play well uh, to beat Furman on the road. I mean, they're, they're seven-point underdogs on Ken Palm. So um, this would be, you know, an upset on the road. But, you know, in Wichita State's eyes, you know, the way it's playing right now, it feels like it can beat anybody, uh, you know, Furman included and, you know, Clemson included. And, you know, this week in South Carolina, if they can get out, out of that, you know, uh, the Sharks are going to have so much momentum, so much belief. And uh, if they can just get back to Madison Square Garden, uh, who knows what can happen. And, you know, that's obviously far away. But, you know, I know Wichita State, uh, their seniors are very, very motivated to, to get to end the right way. They would love to repeat that NIT championship. It would be kind of a cool story you know the last time you know the nit championship kind of sprung the ncaa tournament streak and you know obviously Wichita state wants it to do the same thing last this year uh going forward you know with the young nucleus they have teddy teddy allen coming in you know tyson atn on the way so um the shockers future is very bright but they also have you know business to to do this season too and they want to go out winners so um i think absolutely absolutely the goal is to get to Madison Square Garden, and you know that'd be pretty cool for uh, Marcus too. You know he grew up right across the Hudson River in Patterson, New Jersey. So uh, a lot of really cool storylines if, if WSU can get there. But obviously they got to win three first. Tournament does go pretty quick. They would play Wednesday, then again this weekend, sometime midweek next week, and then I believe the uh, semifinals at MSG start on April 2nd, which is a Tuesday. Championship is April 4th, so it does roll pretty quick here. I know we get into the several weekends of the NCAA tournament, but uh, if they can keep it rolling, hopefully we'll make it all the way to New York. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. All right, so we talked on previous podcasts about the slump that Marcus was going through. I think it's pretty obvious he broke out of that slump during the AAC tournament. But with his performance this weekend, do you feel like he's putting himself back on the NBA radar, and does he get drafted? Man, that, that is tough. I'm going to sell that right now just because off the mocks that I've seen, um, his name hasn't been on there. I mean, obviously uh, a lot can change from from now to to the workouts but right now i would i would have to sell that even though i like his upside still only 21 
and he can shoot like that. Um, he's going to be intriguing. He definitely gets to play in the summer league, but drafted, I don't know. He's going to have to make a, a late run for that to happen, I think. Yeah, I'm going to sell that as well. Coach Marshall did say after the Temple win that he probably earned himself some money. You know, there had to be some scouts or some guys there in Memphis uh, taking a look at that and, and certainly would like what they saw. Um, but right now, not quite there as far as being drafted. But uh, to Taylor's point, we'll, we'll have the opportunity to go earn himself a paycheck. All right, we talked about Rafferty for Furman being just a really effective scorer, but kind of undersized as a center, 6'8", 215. Are, are Jaime and Asbjorn going to be able to contain him? Are they the right matchup, buy or sell? Are they the right matchup to try and slow him down in this game? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sell that. I actually don't think they are. Um, you know, this could be a game where Rod Brown maybe comes in a little bit or, or uh, you know, Poor Bear has is, is got a little bit more athleticism. But, you know, this guy, you know, at least from the little things I've read, and most of that's been from Taylor, but, you know, he's going to be all over the place and, and really kind of makes them tick. So uh, I think there's been tremendous improvement from Mittgard. I think Echenique is going to be a really good player for the Shockers next year. But I, I wouldn't call speed uh, one of their assets in, in either uh, points there and so might struggle a little bit against uh, a guy who's a little more undersized yeah I would I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it but I'm a little more optimistic um, looking at the games that that Furman has lost uh, you know they lost to LSU who has a, you know a big 611 250 guy um, that that probably guarded Rafferty again like I, I haven't watched that game I would assume that that's who they matched him up with um, but held Rafferty to, to nine points in, in that loss. So I think it can be done, um, you know, with, with Jaime, though, you know, with the foot, that makes you a little little cautious to say, you know, to buy that because um, I, I do like the I, I like the idea of making him score over height, over length, opposed to putting someone more athletic that, like a Marcus or a Dexter maybe uh, on him uh, who can match up with him athletically, but might give up a few pounds inside and you know they're just not used to playing inside but I, I do like the idea of making him score over length I think that can be effective um, but yeah I just don't know if if Asbjorn or Jaime are the ideal choice so I'm going to sell it but I'm a little a little more optimistic all right next uh, buy or sell do you believe that the team's current development is ahead of schedule I'm going to sell that i think this is uh kind of goes back to last last time we we talked uh you know this is right about where i thought they would be i said before the season you know 18 wins was the target so you know you're looking at 19 i think just because of where they came from it's a little i mean it's more more feel good people are more optimistic just because they've seen the low of the lows but you know i i think that you know honestly dexter you know I, I thought he would be like this. And, you know, Eric, you know, you look at his shooting numbers, it's a little disappointing to, you know, he's such a good shooter. Every time, it, every time he shoots it, it looks like it's going in. So um, it's, that's, I, I will say that Jamarius is ahead of schedule. That's, he is developed into more than what I thought he could be at point guard. Love his game going forward. He's not going to give up that spot easily going, going into next year. I know they're bringing in a lot of guards, but, uh, you know, he's he's going to be a player for WSU next year, uh, regardless of where he, where he plays. But, um, you know, I think this is like right right around where I thought they would be. Um, so I'm going to sell that. I think it's 
compared to where I thought it was going to be. It's right around where I thought. And uh, who knows? I mean, maybe we'll, we'll be talking in three weeks when you know a couple of these freshmen go off, and um, you know if they make a run in the NIT, then we can talk again. But to this point, it's it's been about right where I thought they would be. I'm actually going to buy it, and I'll do it for a couple reasons. I think, one, you have to look at this late-season run they've been on, winning 11 out of 14, no matter what the competition I think was impressive. The fact that they took a top-25 team in Cincinnati down to the wire, almost had a chance to advance to the championship. They are able to have that continued development here, hopefully more than just on the game on Wednesday, but over these next few weeks. But more than anything, what I think they've done is they've laid a foundation. Last year's team... You know, everyone was excited, and we thought that was going to be the team to really make a deep run in the tournament. But I don't think they really had an identity, or I guess they lost the identity that Shocker basketball teams are used to, and that's winning with defense and rebounding. Last year's team was kind of more of an offensive, you know, we're going to outscore you. And this isn't anything against those guys, but I think Coach Marshall it wants a program more that's going to be based on kind of that grit and that hard nose and, and out-hustling and out-working teams. And so when they were 1-6 and six, and when everything was going wrong, I think they learned that it, it takes a an extra level of effort to win, not only in the AAC, but just at this level of basketball. And so for all these young guys and all these newcomers that we've talked about, They've now built the foundation. So instead of just relying on Marcus McDuffie next year to lead the the guys, you've got a whole core group of guys who will lead them forward. So from that aspect, I will say I, I think they have you know maybe developed past where a lot of people thought they could be. The, the league picked them eighth, for God's sake. So, I mean, not only did they, they go a little better than what the league has thought, but now have maybe hopefully um, you know surpassed others' expectations as well. I will say the thing that cracks me up, I remember back in, at the media day in Philadelphia when that, that poll came out and everyone saw them at eighth. I went around and asked coaches, what do you think of what shall stay at eighth? And they all said, oh, man, like that's uh, – they're – no, no way they finish eighth. They're gonna, you know, that's that's motivation right there. I mean, they acted like somebody else was voting on these things. Like they, the coaches were the ones that that voted them eighth. So um, it just goes to show you, you know, they they might say one thing, but privately they did think this was gonna be, you know, a huge rebuild for for Greg Marshall and the Shockers. And uh, yeah, he he kind of showed them uh, or proved them wrong at least with with the development of this team and uh, just how hot they were playing. You know, if the the regular season was a week or two more, you know, they, they probably would have moved up a spot or two in the standings. So a uh, really impressive job. And it just goes to show you just how far uh, this team really came uh, based on outside expectations for sure. I think what it really shows you with the coaches is that they don't fill out the ballot themselves. They hand it to some assistant somewhere. <laughs> SID. <laughs> All right. Final very one. Well could be the case. Final one this week. So this one's a little more open-ended, so brace yourselves for it. Wichita State, 1-6. What do you believe was the turning point for Wichita State in, in really growing and developing? And then second, at what point do you think the team started to believe that they had turned a corner and were really making big strides? Well, I think one of the biggest moments of the season was Samaje's last-second shot over SMU because that was in at home in front of the home crowds. Everyone goes crazy. It showed that they can win a game late. It was one of their senior leaders, and that kind of led to that four- 
uh, game winning streak there and, and then ultimately winning 11 out of 14 to close out the year. So that moment in particular, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if they win the late game against UConn or, or win the late game against Tulane had that moment not happened. So I, I hate to pin it just on one thing, but I think they were so, you know, sick and tired of losing, particularly close games when they thought they were almost there that they just said, okay, th- this is enough and, and, and we're going to change it. Yeah, I think Dustin uh, hit the nail on the head there. You know, Greg Marshall himself has said that he kind of pinpointed that Samaje game winner against SMU as the game changer for the Shockers this year. You know, if he doesn't make that and the Shockers lose that game, who knows? I mean, they fall to, to one and seven, eight and twelve. They, they would have just lost at Coke Arena again. Who knows what would have happened? You know, with such a young team, the psyches. Um, you know, it could have it could have turned really, really bad, really fast. And uh, for Samaje to, to hit that game winner, and people forget too. You know, they see the Tulsa the final score of that 79-68. But if you remember, you know, they were down in the second half of that game. They were getting punked on every 50-50 bowl. They were losing every single one. And then Marshall, in a timeout, just went ballistic, challenged those guys, really brought out the best in them, and they they. They really, I mean, after that, I think I did a story and they had like eight of 10 offensive rebounds and like seven of eight uh, defensive rebounds. So they, they grabbed like almost every single possible rebound after that. And re- that that was a huge moment in their season too to, to kind of dig down and bring something out of them that they hadn't showed before to that point uh, to, to get those two wins. And I said that week that, you know, SMU and Tulsa at home, if they lose one of these, then we should be worried. Uh, so for WSU to take care of business at home, get those two wins, uh, they knew they had two kind of easy ones coming up in the East Carolina and two lanes. So I, I think that was a huge week of the regular season. Uh, Samaje game winner and in the last eight, eight, nine minutes against Tulsa to run away with that one. So that's where the season turned. That's when the, the, the players started to believe okay, we can win, we can beat teams in the American, and um, I think that was a huge one. Then also the, the Tulsa, the win on the road, you know, they had that streak snapped at Cincinnati, uh, played them tough, but ended up losing by 10. That could have shook them too, but to, to come back and, you know, maybe the best game of the season, offense and defense combined, to beat a pretty good Tulsa team at the Reynolds Center by 21, really, really impressive performance. So um, uh, I think the, the home stretch and then that road win at Tulsa were, were big moments this season. Let's do a little around the AAC news. Tulane did fire its coach, Mike Dunleavy Sr., so they'll have uh, someone new leading the program next year. SMU made an announcement. Tim Jankovitz will be back next year for the Mustangs, and we'll get to continue his time at that program. As far as the NCAA tournament was concerned, four teams from the American make it. Were you surprised at anything, particularly the seven seed that Cincinnati received? Yeah, I think this was a was a huge, uh, huge moment for the American to get Temple in. Um, and like you say, a little surprising that Cincinnati fell uh, to a seven seed, you know, to win the conference tournament, to beat a really, really good team in Houston. Um, I thought they deserved higher than a seven, but also people have pointed out on Twitter that, you know, they got to stay close to home. Uh, they're playing close to Cincinnati. So uh, reading some of the comments from the NCAA, NCAA uh, selection committee. They really valued uh, keeping close, uh, keeping teams close to home. So I guess that's the, the advantage for Cincinnati. But um, yeah, a huge year for the American. And it's only going up too. You know, we talked at length 
in past podcasts about just uh, how good American is shaping up to be going forward. You know, if UConn can ever pick it up, you know, if they, you know, stop blaming the American for their problems, it can just, you know, become a better team. Uh, I, I do like the direction that Hurley has them. I like that they really, you know, they fight for him. Uh, so once he gets his guys in there, I think UConn is going to be uh, going up. And obviously, Penny, I mean, did a, a great job with Memphis this year, and they're going to have a lot of big dogs coming in next year. So they're going to be great. Um, then you look at, you know, Wichita State, Cincinnati, Houston, uh, all three of those teams are, are really, really good. And um, going forward, you know, the American is looking at worst, you know, at worst three, uh, maybe four or five uh, next year and in the, in the coming years. So a really exciting time to be in the American. Uh, I think they're making that push. They've obviously, they've clearly passed the, the Pac-12 right now. And I think they're, they're coming for the Big East too. So um, they're moving up in, in the ranks of college basketball. And I saw on a, the selection show, they were mentioning the American as a mid-major conference. And that's, you know, that's just a joke to, to think of the American as a mid-major conference. You watch that, uh, that Cincinnati uh, Wichita State game, the, the Wichita State Temple game in the quarters, that is not mid-major basketball. You know, that that is high major, some of the best teams in the country going at it. So um, a little bit of a – funny to see that still, um, you know, still be mentioned. But, you know, I think American is, is earning that respect. What they have to do now, you know, is make a run in the NCAA tournament. Last year we had a lot of really, really good teams too, but all three – lost before the second weekend so if, if the AAC can get a team into that second weekend that sweet 16 uh that's that's how they make a name for themselves and gain that respect so um it's gonna be fun to watch and then obviously with Wichita State and the Memphis and the NIT both those teams feel like they can make a run in that one too this is a little bit of a unique question, but we saw a lot of folks say that the Big Ten champion was at a disadvantage because they play that championship game right before the brackets are announced. And it's actually kind of late Saturday night that they, they just about finalized the bracket and then they have a few contingency brackets. My question is, do you think the Americans in the same spot? Some folks down in Memphis this week thought it would make more sense to start the tournament a day earlier, have the championship on Saturday. And I only bring it up because, you know, Cincinnati won the game against Houston pretty impressively and then ends up with a seven seed. So not that I thought, you know, they should be, you know, so much terribly higher than that, but it didn't really seem like they were rewarded much for winning the conference tournament. So do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you might have, uh, you might be onto something there. Um, I don't know if yeah they they really did get the advantage that they should have gotten by by beating a really good team in the conference tournament championships. So that is something that I'm sure the the AAC. I mean they're very cognizant of, of their image and, and trying to put the best foot forward. So it would not surprise me to see you know if if they they look at that and they do see the advantage that if they do move it up next year and have that championship game on Saturday night or or whenever they can get on national TV on Saturday. I do know that they love being on national TV. That is the one benefit of, you know, flying on ESPN. I think it is sometimes the lead-in game to the selection show. So um, they do like that exposure um, because you get a lot more eyeballs on that game. But, um, yeah, I mean, is it a trade-off where, you know, your conference tournament champion isn't getting the, the respect, the, the credit that they deserve uh, because it is basically one of the last games in before the – the selection show so that's something that they'll look at um you know i i would like it to be done on saturday night so you can just sit back and relax and enjoy the selection show on sunday but uh yeah it's something to, to definitely 
uh, monitor this offseason. I'm sure the, the American will look at it as well. I think what is interesting is last year, because of some shifts and changes in location in Madison Square Garden, I believe, was hosting the Big Ten tournament a week earlier than usual. Then the American was able to be on CBS as the lead-in uh, game before selection, the selection show. So uh, in certain situations, I think there's a lot of value in in getting the opportunity to showcase your team on national TV. And if the championship game is a day earlier, you're going to be in competition with a lot of the other uh, major conferences for being on ESPN. And certainly by playing on Sunday, they're definitely on on ESPN. So that, that'll be interesting how that dynamic plays out. But certainly I think if they continue to get four or five bids to the NCAA tournament, I think you're going to give yourself plenty of opportunity to represent the conference on a national stage and you're going to have some good good seeds somewhere in there you know certainly Houston with a three seed has an opportunity to make a run and I think Cincinnati being close to home you know they they're going to have a chance at uh, at a sweet 16 that it won't be easy but it it almost feels a little bit to me like when Wichita State was the seven seed in Omaha and got to play KU in the, in the second round so I think that there's there's maybe some of those those dynamics going on as well yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how far Cincinnati can go. I mean, I love how gritty that team was. Uh, you know, they were able to pull that. You know, from Wichita State perspective, you know, obviously they played well, but you forget, you know, from the Cincinnati perspective, I think Jaron Cumberland went like it was like four for sixteen or something like that with five turnovers. Played probably one of his worst games, and you know, credit Wichita State. You know, Marcus McDuffie did a great job on him down the stretch, and then I know they rotated. Guys like Dexter and Jamarius on him throughout that game. So, you know, give Wichita State credit, but also, you know, Cumberland, that's the AAC player of the year. Uh, he plays probably a D game for him, C minus at the best. And they're still able to win that game. And, uh, you know, they're so good on defense. Uh, they make teams uncomfortable with how much they switch. They're able to switch everything. Uh, they're a great rebounding team. You know, they, they mirror the the, Wichita, the great Wichita State teams of the past with our gritty defense and, and rebounding that they rely on. So uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, maybe not always fun to watch on offense uh, if Cumberland's not shooting well, but, you know, that's a team that can grind out games and can uh, win games in the postseason, as we saw in, in uh, Memphis this weekend. So I think that's a team that can definitely go on a run. And, um, yeah, I think uh, the, the just right now – asking you guys now like uh you guys feel like you know are you are we are shocker fans rooting for all those teams like is there any animosity between anyone or do you guys want to see you know all those teams go as far as possible you know personally i, I want to see them all go as far as possible i think houston's making big strides forward i wish their fan base was coming along with them a little more but certainly you know, they invested in their program, got the arena renovated, same with Cincinnati. So you see the teams, and, and I, I want them to succeed because you really do see them uh, investing and caring about basketball in a way that, you know, we really didn't see in the Valley for years. And I think that that's an, a really encouraging thing. You see the conference as a whole saying, hey, we we have an opportunity. Maybe some of the football stuff has passed a few of the teams by and they're not as not as highly regarded there. 
but they see an opportunity, you know, passing the Pac-12. If they can get UConn going and Memphis continues to improve, then they can pass the Big East as a better basketball conference. So I think that that as a whole, we see more more schools seeing basketball as, as something to be successful in. So, you know, certainly I would love to see UCF win a game. I'd love to see Temple, you know, be that team that plays in a playing game and then wins their next game against the sixth seed. So I, I think that there's, uh, for me anyways, I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching those teams try to, to really put the American on the map and show that it's a, a serious uh, contender. I had some rude-ass Cincinnati fans in front of me uh, at the game uh, in Memphis, so I, I hope they lose. But uh, everyone else I'm okay with. You know, Johnny Dawkins, wh- how was, what was UCF doing against Memphis? They looked out there like they were just on a nice leisurely stroll, had, had really no passion whatsoever. If they do win their first game, that would set up a second-round matchup with Duke and Zion Williamson. So seeing Zion versus Taco would be pretty interesting. What are, what are the, the chances that Zion dunks on? him and breaks the internet <laughs> hopefully he doesn't that's, break that's taco be... i mean taco's a big guy but <laughs> so is zion holy smokes and yeah and... i think if he dunks over him that will be the the moment of the entire weekend uh if he can dunk over a 760 that'll be that's going to be all over espn all over nba draft stuff i think uh <laughs> in some ways you know the ac will be uh will be on the map if uh, that becomes the highlight <laughs> So, uh, you know, and Temple's going to gonna have a hard time getting out of that first four, but as the Shockers showed a few years ago, you can at least win a couple games there. So, I don't know, outside of Cincinnati, I wish everyone luck. Houston, some people have said, you know, is final four good, maybe a lead eight good, but to Taylor's point, I think just if someone gets to that second weekend, that helps, helps elevate the overall level of the league. But uh, Yeah, I love the Cougs, too. I think that they, they do have the, the parts to, to make that run. Uh a little concerning to see how much they just, excuse me, to see how much they just kind of rolled over in the championship game, though, and didn't really put up much of a fight the second half. But I really like their pieces. I love Corey Davis Jr., um, Galen Robinson, uh, ideal point guard, a couple of their bigs. They're going to be good going forward, too. I know they lose some, but they got some, some parts coming up, and uh, that's a that's going to be a team to reckon with uh, going forward. And, uh, yeah, like, like we said, you know, as long as the American can get at least one team to the second weekend, it will be a success. Shockers and Paladins coming your way 6 p.m. Central on Wednesday. Game will be broadcast on ESPN3. So just to remind you, that's the online uh, version there. So make sure you have your iPad or your smart TV or whatever queued up for the game. And we'll give you coverage all the way through the end of the season. So whether it's Wednesday or several games from now, hopefully we're going all the way to MSG, but we'll be here with you over the next couple weeks as we wrap up this Shocker season.